1: Today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button ups look so baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a great, casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts were specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to UntuckIt.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: hey how's it going welcome to episode number 524 of locked on raptors for friday may 31st i'm your host Shaw woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. Please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Plenty of great stuff from the Locked On NBA show and Locked On Fantasy Basketball. If you're preparing for dynasty drafts and stuff like that, Josh Lloyd has you covered there. And if you find a show on the network you want to support, please subscribe, rate, review. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Himalaya, which is a new podcast app which we have a partnership with. If you want to check out Himalaya, it's great if you're in the market for a new podcast app. You can personally. Curate your own playlists. It'll suggest podcasts for you. You can follow hosts and creators. It's a a cool little app to check out, and it's totally free in the App Store. All right, on today's show, we live in a world in which the Toronto Raptors have won an NBA Finals game and are undefeated in their history in the NBA Finals. And joining me to talk about it is one of the smartest people from basketball internet, one of my favorite personal writers from SB Nation's crack NBA team. It's Mike Prada. Mike, how's it going, man?
0: I'm good. I'm on episode 524 and it's 531. You guys, you've almost like synced them up perfectly.
1: I didn't even realize that. I, I should have yeah. bailed on doing episodes a little more often. Or I guess, yeah. I... No, <laughs> you, you have to do
0: like seven in a row now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, there's probably. Oh, thanks enough. for having
0: me. That was that was very nice what you said. No, you I, I
1: mean? that's very very nice. <laughs> I mean, you you uh, have pandered to the Raptors crowd with your prediction that the Raptors will win the finals, so we have to be nice to you. Hey man, I believed it. <laughs> it's funny. I was
0: on some show, I was on another radio show, and they were like, "You didn't you didn't just pick this to be contrarian, right?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 Tom and I literally came to separate but similar conclusions."
1: Yeah, it's... like
0: we really believe, I really think they're going to win, and I think Game One showed a big reason why.
1: Yeah, so let's get into that. So all season long, you have been looking at like the eight biggest questions hovering over the postseason, and the Kawhi Leonard thing has been one of them, and sort of mm-hmm. the Raptors gamble whether or not it's going to come through, and you've been trying to weigh how likely it is that each of them will go one one way or the other. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. You pick the Raptors in conjunction with Tom Ziller, as you mentioned, to win the finals after Game One. Please assign a percentage to how confident you're feeling in that prediction.
0: That the Raptors are going to win? Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's like a... It definitely was a 10% or so jump. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember whether I was at like 60% before the series or 55% or whatever. But I, I mean, I think it, it It was not unexpected what mm-hmm. happened in Game 1, at least to me. Um, so I don't know if it really changed the calculus all that much. Uh, I thought they were going to win beforehand. I obviously have a ton of respect for the warriors and so I wasn't like gonna bet my house on it <laughs> um, but uh i don't think game one really necessarily changed a whole lot in how i kind of the, the game kind of played out in a lot of ways like i thought it would frankly mm-hmm. uh, and i also think the series there's so many more chapters left to play in this series you know it, there's the warriors are going to respond i think they're going to win game two um, and then we'll just sort of have to see where it plays out from there. So I don't think it really changed the number all that much, actually.
1: Yeah, I think if any uh, Raptors fans are like resting on the laurels of Game One and expecting that Game Two is going to be a walk, uh, you should have a, a very healthy amount of fear of the Warriors. <laughs> and uh, I would say so. Yeah. They're... Does anyone
0: really believe that though? Nobody really thinks Game Two is going to be a walk. I don't think right? so.
1: No. I just I'm constantly in fear of like a Steph barrage. Like even last night, watching the game. It, I wasn't comfortable until Kyle hit that three with, like, 40 seconds left to put them up 12, and I was like, okay, that feels like enough of a cushion. But they were just kind of hanging around, and their defense, like, their half-court defense late in the game, and this was partly, I think, the Raptors just trying to kill some clock and sort of kneel it down, like, just kneel out the rest of the game. But, like, the Warriors' defense did not allow much in the way of anything in the final four or five minutes because they decided to try (laughs) and that's troubling and you know the only shot that I think fell was the Fred uh like prayer that you know banked off backboard and like rattled around because the rims are blessed in the uh Scotiabank arena apparently and then Danny Green had like the weird heave that had no chance I think they kind of salvaged it by a couple offensive boards Mm -hmm. got to the line a couple times but like that's the Warriors defense I expected to see for more of the game um so that is concerning for sure what I wanted to do, Mike, is kind of sort of run through you and Tom Ziller. As I mentioned, you guys ran through six reasons why the Raptors were going to win the series. I kind of want to run through each of the six and sort of how they related to game one. Um, so let's start with number one. Kawhi Leonard's a Warriors killer, uh, or at least the closest thing to one. And not really the case last night. Kawhi does 23 points. He was 5 of 14 from the field. Uh, looked a little bit hobbled on that leg that's been sort of giving him trouble on and off throughout, this year, or throughout the playoffs, um, at least the last couple rounds. And it wasn't his best game. The Warriors were really, really aggressive and blitzing him at the top of pretty much every single pick and roll he ran. They had a third guy kind of waiting if he did split it. Did you notice anything from how the Warriors defended Kawhi? It seemed like he maybe softened it up a little bit in the second half. He had five assists to two turnovers, which is kind of a bellwether of what Kawhi's doing as a playmaker and how the Raptors are operating when he's seeing all that that attention. But I don't know what you see from how the Warriors defended Kawhi. Do you think that is going to continue to be a problem for Kawhi over the course of the series? Or will the Warriors, because of all the open threes they were giving up to other guys and those guys hitting them, are they going to have to adjust a little bit? I bet they'll probably do
0: mostly the same stuff. I I mean, I believe... What the Warriors are saying that their defense on Kawhi didn't really cost them that game. It was the handful of transition fuck ups. Sorry, mm-hmm. you, am I allowed to curse on the show? Yeah, go nuts. Sorry, <laughs> they, the handful of transition fuck ups that uh, that they had, uh, I think, is really what cost them the game. But you know, part of the reason I, I had Kawhi as a you know Raptors ki- or Warriors killer, it's almost less important how he produces in that he is just this tempo destroyer. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of kills the rhythm of the game. And those five field goals, right... If you go back and look at those five field goals, one of them was that uh, he had a, a couple really huge shots in the third quarter when the Warriors were starting to kind of get back in the game. Mm-hmm. He had that, uh, he escaped Alfonso McKinney and hit that three. I think there was a three-point game at that point. And then he had that other play where he drew a foul and it was a four-point game after McKinney hit that three in the corner when it looked like the Warriors were starting to come back. He has this ability to sort of just destroy runs. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think that also played out where it, he only had—how many assists did he end up having in that game? He had five. I think he had more plays where—almost beyond hockey assists, but also hockey assists— where he almost like invited the pressure and was able to maintain the ball and not turn it over. Mm-hmm. I mean, the play that really stands out to me as like sort of the definitive reason why I think Kawhi is such a tough matchup for the Warriors is he had, I think it was in the second quarter, Draymond Green had like double-teamed him. He, he looked totally lost against any other player. I think I tweeted this out. That would have been a turnover. Mm-hmm. And somehow he keeps control of the ball, spins away, and draws a foul, and that's two free throws. But those two points are really worth more like four or five because they prevented a two or three point Warriors fast break on the other end. Mm -hmm. And you could argue that they're worth even more than that because then you get the crescendo of the Warriors coming at you. And really, so really, that like to those two points, if you want to stretch the logic a little bit, but I think it's valuable, they're worth like five points, seven points, ultimately, Mm -hmm. you know, when you consider the flow of the game. That's the quality that. Kawhi has that even when he has a so so shooting game, a poor production game, he just is some. There's something about that ability that just takes away what makes the Warriors the Warriors, frankly. And there's no other player in the league safer, I think, when LeBron James was so locked in in 2016 that just has the ability to kill tempo like that. So, in a weird way, I actually think he didn't have that bad of a game. Mm -hmm. You know, even his bad games are. Not games where there's a lot of negative output.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the case even, you know, like a 19-point game or something against the Bucks, and it was one of the best. He had like one assist, but he probably had like six or seven potential assists that just didn't go down. Um, right. He and, also, it's yeah. like
0: also turnovers avoided. Yeah, Like yeah. I, There's no staff for this, but just like sequences where against most players it would be a turnover and the other way. And now the momentum is going. He just finds a way to just keep the ball. Yeah,
1: and it's it's, a, it's a, there's no real stat for that. I guess I just created one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the pace thing because I thought that was going to be sort of one of the most interesting things about the series. Because you know the way the Raptors I think really slowed Milwaukee down was they they ground that series to a halt and only really ran selectively. Mm-hmm. And they forced Milwaukee to play their half-court offense, which was not particularly good. Obviously, the Warriors' half-court offense is much better than Milwaukee's and makes you do a lot more work in terms of working off ball. But I thought that's what the Raptors were going to do in this series as well, was just try to grind it to a halt. And, you know, I, I think they sort of did that pretty successfully, but they also ran pretty liberally. And, like, Siakam was leaking out all the time, and the Warriors didn't really seem ready for it. I was just wondering what you thought about, like, the pace of the game, and did you think it was... Too much running on the Raptors' part? Do you think they're kind of playing with fire a little bit if they continue to run that that sort of aggressively going forward?
0: No, I don't think they're playing with fire. I think people get the wrong idea about this sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you. I just think the way we look at it. Like, the game is, if you think about the way that basketball is played now, it's almost like, I mean, are you, are you a soccer fan? Yes. So there's almost like two different types of games, right? There's the off-the-dead ball game. Mm-hmm. And in this series, you even get like a little bit of a blending because these teams really do run off mix. And then there's sort of like the run of play game, mm-hmm. right? So off if while the ball is still in play, um, and if you're a team like the Raptors, like it's not a binary to like play slow possession wise. What you do is you kill the pace on one end and then you control it on the other. Yeah, you know they they are symbiotically related. Um, so in a lot of ways, like your pace your defense your you you, the whole point is to run off when you kill the tempo Mm -hmm. you know that that's how it's supposed to be you know you're supposed to what you want to avoid are those situations where you're the one that now is on the defensive in the tempo game where they force you to have a long clock situation they grab a rebound and now you're backpedaling i mean what you really want to do is avoid those situations and I do think that Golden State was not prepared for some of the stuff that Toronto was able to do in transition in that in that way. And a lot of it just comes down to they limited the positive possessions that they the Warriors would have on offense. And then yeah, they ran off them. And even when they didn't get fast break buckets, and I suspect the Warriors will be so much better at stopping some of those leakouts. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the transition defense was just embarrassing by Toronto by Golden State. What they end up doing is that even if you don't get an immediate bucket you've got some matchup that is favorable Mm -hmm. and toronto is like better than almost any team i've ever seen it's just so good at like kind of the secondary break and flowing into your regular offense and finding the matchup that because you forced a miss and you put it up the floor maybe you don't go score right away but you found the mismatch or you found the sort of spot where someone is not where they usually are and they're caught in a weird position like, say, Jordan Bell helping at the top of the key or Mm -hmm. something like that and then taking advantage. So I actually think when we talk about pace, it's sort of misdefined in some ways. You know, really what – it's not about whether you play fast or slow. It's about who's actually controlling what whether you're playing fast or slow in a certain sequence. I I think of run of play as sort of the way basketball sort of evolved.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think we saw that a lot in the Bucks series too, where whichever yeah. team was sort of having success in that series was the one that was dictating the pace of their offense out of their defense. And that's what the Raptors have done Absolutely. really well all season, that's, right? That, like, like that's what that's they've done.
0: the Entire Bucks success. That's mm-hmm. the only reason the Bucks won 68. <laughs> okay, not the only reason, but that's the biggest reason. They had the best half court, the half court defense, and that triggered their transition game. It, for those who are soccer fans, they, they remind me of like what Leicester City was doing a few years ago mm-hmm. in the Premier League, where it's like literally they invited certain types of shots and then ran off them. Yeah, you know, it was like that's but but that's how they won sixteen. Toronto does it in a very different way, which I think is more successful clearly because they beat the Bucks.
1: Yeah, I think the Raptors, like you kind of alluded to, they have like a really good kill switch when there's something not there in transition, not forcing stuff, so they don't end up getting into like those those hell situations against the Warriors where like you're screwing up going one way fast and then they're going the other way and it's just chaos and you're just swapping chaotic possessions mm-hmm. like the Raptors like you said they can kind of you know okay we didn't get something there in the first two seconds of this break we'll pull it back okay now Kawhi has you know Steph on him because of the cross matching he can go to work yep. there or, or Siakam had Steph on him a ton last night and he really sort of exploited that matchup so I very much agree with you there um let's move on to number Don't two think Sorry, go ahead I know, I yeah mean, think,
0: think about this right this is how the warriors kill everyone
1: yeah
0: is they they create this like chaos and crescendo and this like the, you get swept up and up in it and it's like one cross match you've created and now you're sort of running around with their hails with their heads sort of like headless chicken i mean that's how they beat the, the blazers the blazers look so out of depth hmm it's amazing to me that toronto literally just did that to the team that has made a living doing that Mm -hmm. in game one i mean yeah the warriors were really sloppy in transition but don't you think that that sort of says a lot about how toronto kind of beat them at their own game i mean that's the thing that i find truly remarkable about the way that game played out
2: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm very much with you there. It's that they <laughs> I keep getting amazed by how well prepared this team is and how, like, I mean, there were a lot of, like, Nick Nurse questions for even, like, into, like, the start of the second round against the Sixers, but he really does seem to kind of have exactly what they want to do against the exact opponent, sort of drilled in, and I think you're kind of hitting on all the notes there with this Warriors team and and how they've matched up and how they're preparing for it. Um, Let's move on to number two of your six reasons why the Raptors are going to win. This is the easy one. Kevin Durant's not there, uh, and like i I, yeah. I feel like if it hasn't been dispelled which it should be cuz it's dumb like the warriors need kevin durant to be their the best self their best selves and like they're just rolling out a lot of dudes who kind of suck <laughs> like it's like <laughs> And I well, they I don't might know roll a lot
0: more. Figueroa's injury is serious. Yeah, that's, that's a huge concern. Yeah,
1: which the news today is that apparently he's going to be good to go for game two. But I mean, considering that he got hurt in the or he missed the last game of the conference finals, had nine days off, and then still aggravated in game one. I, I don't think that bodes well for his like uh, at least ability to sort of take on an enormous load in this series. And if he's going to be like the primary guy on, on Kawhi until. Durant comes back at, at whatever point that is, like, that seems a little bit troublesome. Um, what, they, like, a couple weird things about the Warriors last night. Like, they, they I mean, it's not weird. They go 11 deep all the time, and, like, and Steve Kerr will just throw dudes out there and see if they stick. Um, but, like, none of them are particularly exciting or talented or useful, and it, and it felt like any time... Like, Kawhi had, like, Alfonso McKinney on him, who's, like, not a bad defender by any means. Like, he's athletic. He can kind of just, like, get in your face. Like, Kawhi was like, all right, this is a way softer matchup for me to go against. I'm going to go do some work here. Um, obviously, the Warriors are hurt without KD for very obvious. It's not like you need to do a whole lot of analysis as to Hawaii. Like, he's just really damn good. Um, but, like, how do you think the Warriors can sort of mitigate the lack of KD in this matchup in particular? Is there certain lineups you'd like to see? Like, should they go Draymond at center a little more often to sort of, space things out and keep Jordan Bell and like DeMarcus Cousins off the floor because Cousins was awful Um like what do you think the way forward <laughs> is until KD comes back
0: yeah I mean you're kind of hitting at um, why is it such a challenge it's like okay yeah it's weird that Draymond at center lineups didn't log a single minute but then who's the fifth guy in that lineup now yeah. that Durant's not there I mean like Sean Livingston, McKinney uh, you're running into problems and that's before you consider Iguodala's injury situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think in terms of having too many – playing another good player, there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, there was – there's a little bit of sort of this, like, strength in numbers ball, like, kind of a little bit over – they overextended it a little bit. But some of that is also somewhat by design. I mean, if you're not sure what you're getting from 5 through 11, you may as well throw them all in there and see if you can get something from someone. Yeah. so I don't know if it was a rotation thing that really screwed the Warriors up in that game. I think it was just they weren't very sharp, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of I, – I don't know if they were not ready for the Warriors. I, certainly their transition defense wasn't sharp, or not ready for the Raptors, um, you know. And, and the, one, the one thing that Durant does bring that I think is overlooked is sort of the exact same thing that Kawhi brings, which is, you know – Sometimes you need to you need a run-stopper. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blazers series was such a joyride because the Blazers just had no idea how to guard Golden State. Um, but against a team that does, you kind of need a run-stopper, and that's what they miss. Um, I, the only really thing, I mean, the one thing that they could do, I think, that I expect to see more of, and I think part of this was like they were playing a little cagey, feeling out how things were, is they did not run a whole lot of uh, Steph and Draymond pick and roll. I think there's a lot more they can explore there. Obviously, Marcus salt did an amazing job in certain cases, uh, but I think they can change the angles of how they set that up. I think they can be a little bit more aggressive and kind of exploding Gasol, there are a couple shots early in the game where I think Gasol didn't come out as far as they expected. Mm -hmm. Um, Initially, Steph passed up a couple shots, and then, of course, Gasol came out really high, and and they looked a little caught off guard. Um, So I would expect that to be the major adjustment, and it will be interesting to see if Toronto's ability to adapt, which is kind of their biggest strength, will allow them to play in a different way in game two.
1: Yeah, the the third reason on your list of six here was that Toronto's defense is vicious and versatile, and I mean, it's been, they've been playing at such a crazy gear for, I don't know, since the end of the Sixers series, really, I think, like, game seven against the Sixers was kind of the beginning of this, and even against the Bucks when they lost, like, there was still... A lot of really you know promising things happening on the defensive side of the ball, and that like that's just like when you have eight good defenders in your eight man rotation, that typically is what's going to happen. Was there something in particular the Raptors did last night to the Warriors that you thought was particularly impressive? Was there a single guy who stood out for you uh, as sort of like giving a, an individual guy? Was it Fred VanVleet on Steph? Was it Gasol being able to you know defend in space maybe better than people would have expected? What stood, out, what stood out to you from the way the, the Raptors' defensive game plan sort of played out last night?
0: Individually, I thought Gasol was unbelievable. Mm. It, there, if you watch some of the sequences, it looked like he was calling out Golden State's plays a lot of the time. You know, He was calling out, he was telling Van Fleet, you know, play over the top, I'll be here for the other part of this play. He almost looked like he knew Golden State's stuff better than and they did, and that's the exact quality that made him uh, the defensive player of the year mm-hmm. many, many years ago. But I, I think p- the biggest reason why Toronto, I think, succeed succeed against Golden State's sort of constant dizzying movement, is they do their defense is very counterintuitive. They're they're incredibly intelligent team mm-hmm. on the court. I, I, they might be the, mo- the most intelligent defensive team, just in terms of sort of ad-libbing and basketball IQ that I can remember in a really long time. And most teams, when they play Golden State, what they do is they say, okay, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do the best we can do with the basic defensive principles that we have. We're going to kind of look at it like sort of outside in. We're going to have a plan, and we need rules, and we need to stick to these rules. And what Golden State does with those sorts of teams is they just – There's so much for them to remember that it's just impossible to keep all that information in your head. Mm -hmm. They're so random and so able to come at so many different angles and so many different ways that even a team that has this great defensive system, it would have been really interesting, I think, to see Milwaukee against Golden State for this reason because Milwaukee is one of those teams that has just this very rigid, we have these sets of rules type of defenses. They just kind of flip that all on its head. And so... You end up you end up just being a bunch of robots and you're just like once you get broken the first time, you're just totally broken as a defense. The Raptors though, there's not one way that team defends. Mm-hmm. They don't have like this one this is how we play this sort of action, this is how we play this sort of action approach. Their defenders are so smart that they're able to just sort of be free and figure it out. And that's an amazing luxury that Nick Nurse has mm-hmm. with the intelligence of the team. And that's the type of defense that they are able to, to know. Like, what is What are the Warriors doing that is real? What is fake? What is, what is the stuff I really have to pay attention to? What do I not? They have just this incredible feel. And I think that the Warriors were surprised by that, frankly. I don't think they've faced a team that has been able to match their Ability to read the game in real time, mm-hmm. the way the Raptors' defense is—it's not just that they're really defensively; it's how they're really good defensively that I think makes this a really tough matchup for the Warriors. And you would see this in just how they would help off certain people, and the timing of their help, and the timing of the rotations, and all of this. You know, there's no like sort of way to diagram this on a on a whiteboard. Like you have to be here. You have to be there. It almost like defeats the whole purpose. Like for Toronto, it's much more about feel and kind of reading a situation. Um, and that's the type of defense that the Warriors have never dealt with. Mm-hmm. Even great defenses that they've broken, the Warriors, they've been once based on rules and instructions. And Toronto just subverts that whole system. Like they're very much defined by how Pascal Siakam plays. He kind of just does stuff. Yeah. And he's able to read the game. And there's no way to prepare for that.
1: Yeah, all season long, and like dating back to like last year when the offense sort of changed, right? And it was like, all right, under Nick Nurse, like everyone's free to do whatever they want. It's a freestyle offense. Like it almost is the same for the defense, right? And it's and more it's, so, I would say. Yeah. And, and it's kind of been like all year long uh, a point of contention like, oh, what's the Raptors' identity? What is this team? Like, what and like maybe the identity is don't have an identity and just be like pliable and just be the chameleon who can play all the different ways which they can like they they've beaten teams pretty much every way in the book and i think what you're talking about with just like their their ability to do their elasticity on defense and their just ability to sort of like read the situation and make the right read for that specific possession instead of like okay what did we do last possession what did we do in the next one i I think it's uh it's all sort of you know it's all part of that um, before we carry on, you can't, to... can't teach
0: yeah. it. You can't teach it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like they have so many unbelievably intelligent people, players mm-hmm. on that team: Lowry, Casal, Danny Green, Siakam, Leonard, Van Fleet. You know, there's not another team in the league that could do that. I mean, there's a reason most defenses are not built this way. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't play, you can't have this sort of ad lib reading sort of thing with Burke Lopez. Like. Mm-hmm. You need to tell them you're staying in a certain spot and you're going to do as great, good a job as possible in that spot. You know, you gotta, you got you take the ingredients you have and you make something work. It's just, there's something beautiful about it in a lot of ways. I gotta <laughs> be honest. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we continue on, I just want to remind people that today's show is brought to you by Grip Six Belts, ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip Six. They have a special offer for you at grip slash lock. That's L O C K E.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league
1: Portions of your your reasons why the Raptors are going to win the series are a little more sort of you know ethereal, a little more wishy-washy, but like they all kind of matter. No, they're all
0: very solid. (laughs) No, no, no. As a
1: person, (laughs) if 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 anyone's listened to this podcast, you know I'm all for the cosmic stuff. I'm a big fan. Um, The home court stuff is very real. I, I just I can't express enough how dope it was to see. Not just like in the arena, which was by all accounts the loudest it's ever been in there, and the most, and honestly, kind of stunning because tickets were like a thousand dollars a pop, and I thought it was going to be like a Maple Leafs crowd almost, where it was going to be just like suits who are just happy to be there as a status thing. That was not the case. You could tell on TV it was just like absolutely rabid there, um, and just like yeah, th- it was really cool to see the entire like province of Ontario have like open watch parties. It, it, it was awesome. But yeah, like, it was amazing. Yeah. Did
0: they say there were 29 Jurassic parks?
1: Yeah. 29 different Jurassic parks. There was one in Mississauga where the Raptors 905 play. Um, that's absurd. 20,000 people were at that one. So that's absurd.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm amazed. But that's crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, wow. Uh, anyway. Yeah. The yeah. home court matters. Although I still think Toronto will win a game on the road in this series.
1: They've done it a lot. They're, they're really good they on the road. I mean,
0: And Golden State, I think, can win in Toronto, too. Like, yeah. it, 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 it may have helped just have game one at home. Because mm-hmm. you had less of the sort of, oh, uh, we're in the finals. This is The timeouts are different. The setup is different. We're just not used to this
1: sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And your last two were that Toronto should be hungrier and that uh, it might just be destiny, which... Uh, <sighs> It's hard not, to, with all of the dumb shots that keep just, like, ricocheting in, <laughs> like, from Kawhi in Game 6 against the Bucks, and obviously what happened in Game 7 against Philly, and then you had that Fred shot last night, and it felt like there were a dozen balls on the rim last night that decided to fall the right way. Um, I don't really think the Destiny thing is legitimate, but, like, it wow. kind of... It kind of <laughs> wow, how dare you. <laughs> but it kind yeah, of feeds into the hunger man. thing, right? And just, like, all these dudes... It's very much like, you know, people have used the comparison to the 2011 Mavs a little bit, where it's just like all these dudes who had failures elsewhere kind of coming together in one spot, or not even necessarily failures, just like were elsewhere and are kind of restarting their story in Toronto. All just like kind of coming together, a lot of experience on the board, a lot of dudes who have been there, and a lot of dudes who kind of maybe view this as like their last shot, whereas the Warriors, it might be old hat for them at this point. And I know there's like... They have to have some sort of chip on their shoulder and all that stuff because it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're, we're injured now. Let's prove we can do it injured after we've beaten all these injured teams and people have, you know, you know, for probably incorrectly, uh, you know, r- ragged on us for that. Um, but I don't. Know, do you put any like how much do you put into the fact that like all these dudes on the Raptors are just like they're kind of taking their shot and this is this might be all they have and it really feels like to me just from the way they've talked. There's just like. No one's like I think if you had pulled most Raptors fans after Game Six against the Bucks, most people would be like, "Yeah, this is gravy." Like any win in the finals is fine, and there was none of that coming from the Raptors. And no. I, I kind of think it's it's kind of an important quality to have.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly I, I, that was a huge reason why I wrote that, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were kind of scoffing at it, but I mean, I think there's something to it in a lot of ways i think the mads are a great comparison also because that dallas team was just another one of those sort of incredibly intelligent ways that you can't really script mm-hmm. uh and the way they defended lebron i think there's a lot of similarities there and also obviously the the mix and the fact that there's one star then and, and a bunch of other great uh, supporting players similar mm-hmm. there's an element of this too that reminds me a little bit of that 2014 finals with uh, miami and san antonio where it, it's not just that like the, the warriors are satisfied necessarily i don't think they're satisfied but they just they've, they're carrying all the emotional baggage from their previous finals runs mm-hmm. from Durant's free agency from the questions of, you know, are they better or worse without Durant? You know, this is something they've talked openly about all season. And so that Miami team, if you recall when that series ended, they almost seemed relieved <laughs> that it was mm-hmm. all over. Yeah. You know, um, they were just seemed dead. And I, I think there's a non-zero chance that the Warriors are going through that right now and that they would go through that. Um yeah and i think it's i think it's interesting that the warriors were freely admitted that they kind of ha- were not ready for this raptors team after the game what would you make of all that i thought that was interesting saying that you know we were unfamiliar with them because we hadn't played them yeah um, we had an interesting discussion about this among our staff and I think some people were saying like wow that's totally unacceptable how could you not be ready for a team in the nba finals I mean, to me it's a it's it's one of those things where experience is a little different than Knowledge, Yeah. You know, they never played them, but I, I thought it was odd to see them almost treat that game like a feel out game. I think it speaks a little bit to smart strategy.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
0: certainly a way that that could pay off, you know, that speaks a little bit to arrogance thinking that, you know, we can, we can have a feel out game. We can just figure things out. We, we, we can afford to lose this game. I don't think that's what they would say, but I think that was the posture. And a little bit of, I think, to some degree, like, kind of complacency and feeling like, okay, we've overcome a lot of stuff before. Mm -hmm. That may give you confidence, but that also, like, you you play with fire with that stuff sometimes. Um, So I'm just saying that I I think more so than Toronto being hungry, I wonder about the Warriors' mental energy. Mm -hmm. I wonder if for the Warriors... They've just been through so many of these wars. Do they have enough to do it again? I think it's really hard to do that. They've spoken openly about it. I think if you saw the way they reacted when they beat Houston, I think that series was an absolute war. Uh, and it's hard for me to see how that doesn't take some mental energy from them. You know, these—that's why I think that this—that is, is a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the mental sort of strength. It's less about like one team wanting to win more. It's more just human nature, I think.
1: Yeah, they're very much a different sort of points on their like win curve, right? And I think that sort of yeah. colors how you feel. And yeah, I was it was weird. I was kind of watching the Warriors post game stuff last night, and it did seem like they're kind of towing the line between like very earned confidence and just out and out hubris. And yeah, I, like it's it's hard to tell exactly where they fall in that distinction, right? Because I mean. Draymond Green goes out and says, "I got to take Pascal out of the series, like, and I'll, I'll do that." And it's like he might actually be, be like serious, and he's just going to do that, and because he's Draymond Green, and he might just be able to do that willy nilly. But or maybe is he like kind of underestimated the the like the toll that trying to stop Pascal Siakam is going to cost? Like, is it like it's it, it is a
0: third thing too? Yeah, which I think would actually be the best thing for Toronto, which is that's not really productive to stopping Toronto. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're like, okay, fine. you <laughs> might shut Pascal off, but by focusing so much attention on him, you're taking away from all the other things you could be doing. Exactly. Um, which would be really good for Toronto. That's something that I know Christian Winfield suggested in his piece on Pascal overnight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, it does speak a little bit to like, Oh, if I just try a little harder, we'll take this dude out of the series. And you know maybe they will. And maybe you're right. And these are really hard things to measure, but it's always confidence until you lose. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly like you sort of look at it and it's like, wait a minute. Like, you know, the whole story changes. So, mm. you know, it's the same thing. Like nobody ever wants to predict that like the empire will fall. Right. Yeah. You never really see it coming because you sort of, naturally rests a little bit on what you've done Um, so I don't know I mean it's possible that this will all sound really silly and the Warriors will take it as confidence rather than hubris but I'm just I wouldn't be surprised if you know there's a point in this series where the Warriors are just sort of from all the years of doing this are just gonna and all the injuries they've dealt with and their lack of depth and all that where it just becomes too much
1: Yeah, just based on the feel of the series, like if KD's not back till like game four or five, which kind of seems like what's the the, like kind of seems like the date they've circled now based on the latest reporting this morning from Chris Haynes, um, like if that's gonna be it, like I could see a scenario where like you said that 2014 Finals, like the the Spurs go up three one, it's just like oh my god, like we can't, like we're done, like and it kind of ends in five, you know, whimper, or the Warriors will go into Warriors mode and this will be either uh, a really quick turnaround and the Warriors will like do their thing or, or it'll go long and it'll be like a classic I, I, I don't really have a feel for how it's all going to turn out I think it's going to be a very good series I think these teams are really well matched and while Toronto doesn't have the same top end talent I think like, like we've talked about there. Sort of cohesion and everything is uh, is kind of where they have the edge here, and that's a lot of fun to think about because the Raptors are three wins away from the goddamn NBA <laughs> title, and I still yeah. don't really know how to properly process yeah. that. It's <laughs> the, the one thing I'm pretty confident about is that the
0: Warriors are going to come out much more locked in. Yeah. they're going to throw the close a pretty they're going to a pretty heavy punch in Game Two. Yeah, and if the Raptors absorb that, the question then becomes. Do the Warriors have another punch to throw? But right. I think that's going to be a really desperate team in Game 2. I think Game 2 is going to be really tough for the Raptors to win.
1: Well, we will uh, see what happens, and we will continue to read your work, Mike. You are doing an amazing job over there at SB Nation, along with the rest of your team, which is very, very great and awesome, and people should check out. Uh, where can people find your work, and uh, do you have anything in particular you'd like to promote?
0: Uh, no, just I, I think keep following along with uh, those eight questions and just all our coverage. Paul Flandry and Michael Pean are both out there right now. Um, you know, we still kind of kind of keep doing what we're doing. Uh, we'll have multiple stuff going on after and between games. So just keep checking out the site every morning. You'll get a you'll get Tom's newsletter. You'll get a couple other really good things in the morning and throughout the day uh, from us.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. This was awesome. Um, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Big thanks to Untuck at Hotels.com and Grip6 Grip Excuse me for sponsoring the show. And uh, we will talk to you again probably Monday because I'm going away for the weekend to get a little uh, nap time mostly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> stay, uh, stay tuned. Monday 11 episode breaking down game two. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Thank you to anyone who's checked out the show for the first time this week. We've got a lot of new listeners and I very much appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you again very soon with another episode of Locked on
2: Raptors. Hey, Prime members.